tired. So tired. Overtired. Hello, everybody. This is the Overtired Podcast. I am one of your hosts, uh, Jeff Severance Gunsel, and I'm here with your other two hosts. They are yours. We are all yours. Um, Christina Warren. Hi, Christina. Hello. And Brett Terpstra. Hello, Brett. Oh, hey, I didn't see you come in. Oh, yeah. No. I, did you? Are you here for the podcast? Or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. I want to say there's something I can see that nobody can ever see, which is that Brett and Christina have matching headphones, which have little blue foamy parts. Every time I see that, I think I need to get mine because I think we're all using the same headphones. Yeah, we are. Same headphones. We yeah. just went to the extra trouble to put the like microfiber mm. ear cups on it. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. It- in my case, I'll be honest with you, it was because the original um, ones on, on the, that pair, because I have three or four pairs of these headphones. We're all using Sony um, MDR7506s, which are like the standard um, headphones for, for people in production and because um, they're cheap and they last forever. But yeah. um, my, my ear caps um, tore um, and, uh, and I ordered these i think that now brett did you get yours after i got mine or did you get yours for okay yeah i got yours i got mine because you got yours that's right you recommended them to me yes that's right yeah because they're really good so yeah brain waves i think is what is who makes them or something yeah all right i'm gonna order mine i I just i'm tired of standing out they only (laughs) they only come in this blue so you will match us if you get some that's great. Maybe we can have a listener giveaway. You just get, even if you don't have the headphones, you just get the blue foam. <laughs> <laughs> Lay your head on it at night. Uh, hi, everybody. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Um, what I do you want to want... do first, Jeff? Well, I want to say we have, uh, there's one of us, only one of the three of us is just back from Vegas. And I'd like to hear, I'd like to hear all about it. How was it, Christina? Oh, my God. Um, it was amazing. I had such a great time with my mom. Um, this was her first trip to Vegas, which I think I mentioned before. And so uh, I've been many times, but I haven't been like on a non-work trip in probably since college. And so I was really excited. This was, you know, big 75th birthday thing is, you know, originally when I bought the tickets for her, it was before her 75th birthday. And so originally we were supposed to go like – six months before her birthday and now we want wound up going five months after but <laughs> it was it was an amazing amazing trip we um had just a great experience um adele was phenomenal like uh it, it, a lot of it was up on my instagram stories and um i i might archive them into some sort of archive if you want to see but the show was unreal our seats as i knew they would be for what i paid not not what i would have wanted um, mm-hmm. if I paid, um, okay. Like I paid $3,800 for these tickets, which is insane. Yeah. Hey, if they I'd, go way higher, <laughs> which I now regret not doing, to be honest with you. Uh, mm. when I got out of the show, I said, my only regret was, and I know that there's no way I can say this without making me sound like an asshole, but I wish I had just paid $10,000 for floor seats, um, and, or, or, or for closer seats. Um, yeah. I could have paid, and here's also what killed me, because she rescheduled and because of all that mess, the the price that I paid could have gotten me tickets on the floor I'm pr- or, or for, for mm. maybe a little bit more, but I probably could have had tickets on the floor for that price once the, the rescheduling happened because a lot of people, you know, were like, got refunds and were like, I'm out. And then, you know, um, some of the pricing came down on the resale tickets, although not as much as you would think, but certainly they came down. Yeah. Um, 
if I paid like anything, even double like face value, I would have been ecstatic. It was just the amount that I paid. But even even from like the nosebleeds, it was a great show. She's incredible. The the interesting things that she did on the staging was really phenomenal. She had these things behind her that were visible only some of the times. There was like these screens that kept going back and forth and the way that they had um, her, you know, blown up on 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 the side, like LED screens and the way that it would focus in on her face and they would have things like in black and white. Certain points was really cool, but also the way that the stage screens that, that made like a red A and how that would um, go back and, and reveal things was great. But behind her, in addition to having like a piano on stage and like her, her um, backup singers, she had people playing like, like cellos and stuff, but they were it looked like it was on like two, it was on like a two story risers where they were in these like little cubes and they were sometimes obscured and sometimes visible. So it was like, you had this massive thing behind her where you see these people full size, like playing like the orchestra playing that was sometimes visible depending on, um, you know, what, what the setup was, which was really, really cool. cool. And then sometimes they had other things playing on that screen. So um, absolutely incredible show. I really hope she releases a DVD or a streaming thing, I guess is what they would do now. They wouldn't do a DVD, but I, but I hope she releases like a, a, a streaming version of this show. Uh, she was lovely. The rest of the trip was fantastic. Um, we, um, we stayed at the, at the Venetian or the, the Palazzo, which in my opinion is the best overall value for a place in Vegas. You can find hotels that are going to be nicer and fancier if you if you pay more money and get like suites but in terms of a standard room i really do think that that place is is the best overall value and uh it was a great location for us because it was close to um the mirage where we saw the beatles um uh cirque du soleil show love which is incredible and as right next door to the win and the encore um i took her to dinner at the bellagio on sunday night so she could see the fountains and we had dinner at lago there um, we also, uh, you know, uh, Adele was at Caesars. So I was able to basically take her to see every casino on the strip that I would have wanted to show her except for the, um, cosmopolitan. Um, but, um, we had incredible service. It was a trip of a lifetime. Like she said, it's like, it's going to make me cry, but she was like, it was my best birthday ever. And so uh, I, I like, mission accomplished. I, I'm so, so glad that at this time in my life, I had like the ability and the means to really do this right for my mom because yeah you know she's um she's never been and and I wanted everything to be perfect and I was a little bit concerned I was like man given how the service industry has been you know I don't know what the service is going to be like and if people are going to be nice or if people are going to be you know whatever and like I would be understanding that people weren't because Vegas can be hit or miss anyway like it usually people are pretty nice but you know it, it, there's a lot going on and, and and I get it we had such incredible service everywhere we went when we got to the hotel, we got in at like 11, 15, 11, 30, and we tried to get early check-in and try to pay for it. And they were like, oh, you're declined. And we're like, all right, well, we'll just, you know, leave our bags, the luggage thing and, and bum around for, you know, four hours. Um, no, we were able to check in early. And then the girl was nice enough to like have us check out late um, for free. So we didn't have to pay. So we had like the first day, it almost felt like a, like a free day because we had like, you know, an extra four and a half hours um, of, of not having, you know, um, to be like feeling weird about like, okay, well, what are we going to do? We don't feel refreshed. If you want to shower, if you want to do other stuff. So 
yeah, it, it, it couldn't have been better. Um, just, just a really, really great trip. And I'm just, like I said, I'm just so grateful that I had the, ex- the ability to share this with my mom and to take my mom to this because she deserves it. She's the best. And, and it was just, you know, something that neither of us will ever forget. I'm That's really awesome. happy. I'm really happy you got to do that. I cannot get over how much tickets cost. Um, mm-hmm. Like I still, for me, $80 is too much to pay to go see a live show. Um, to pay three plus thousand dollars for a one night show. Like I just put all new windows in my house and it costs you're not wrong. Grand. And that's that's insane to me. Like to do that for one oh, evening's entertainment is nuts. No, I'm and, not and, I'm not judging you. Oh, I'm just oh, saying I know it's you're not. crazy you're not. that that's what it costs now. No, and, and to be and also to be fair, if I had not been insistent on getting the tickets when I got them, if I had waited until it was closer to the show, which would have been smarter in retrospect because she wound up, you know, uh, rescheduling. Um, no way to know. Right. There is yeah. no way to know. And that this was also the thing. I think the reason that I did it, A, I kind of got caught up in the hype, to be a little bit honest. I was like, I need to get these tickets. I need to do this for a birthday. I had a certain budget and I just did it because I was like, I don't know if these are going to get better or not. Um, and because this is, a, you know, she's probably... Adele said that she really only wants to do these types of residencies in the future. What I think that she'll probably do is that she will do really big international shows. Like she'll do Wembley in the UK and maybe she'll do some like shows in South America or Australia, but she will primarily do kind of what Celine did. But unlike Celine who had a residency for on and off, I think for like 14 years, um, like was one of her residencies, I think it was like, uh, four years. And I think one of them was like seven or eight. Like this was, she added a, she added two more shows, but this was like a 40 show or 38 show engagement. And so, and, and last time Adele toured was 2016 and, and we saw her then. So I was just like, you know, this is, this is, this is like Springsteen on, on Broadway where incidentally yeah. my tickets were less than this. So you're not wrong, Brad, that the prices are insane. Oh, you saw that show. I did. Awesome. And that was, un- awesome. that was unreal. But I also got lucky with that. Like, I'm sure plenty of people paid more than I paid for Adele for Springsteen and Broadway. And but but I, I got lucky and, and knew someone who who had tickets. But um, yeah, you're not you're not wrong about any of the, the pricing being insane. But I was looking at it as like, OK, I have a budget. This is this is I want to do this for my mom. Like money be damned. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was, about, yeah. it was about it was about the whole thing, not just. Adele per se, like, honestly, she loved Adele and had no complaints, but like, she even said that if all we had done was, was see the Beatles Cirque show, she, that would have been worth the trip. You're like, don't say that. Don't say that. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Totally. Totally. But, but, but here's the thing. I don't know if I could have gotten her to Vegas for just that. Right. Yeah. So yeah, um, that doesn't, that doesn't sound like nearly as awesome of a trip. No. Well, what was funny is my dad, I'd originally, when I looked at booking, the tickets the first time because we were supposed to go in March of, of 2022. Um, and, and then it was rescheduled for January. So not as great weather, but whatever. I'd originally, like my parents' 50th wedding anniversary was last April. And so I had said, I was like, look, I know dad doesn't like Adele for whatever reason, but I, um, which given his taste in music, I still don't understand. 
Um, but it's the hard like, it's just a hard one not to like. <laughs> I, it really is. It's just and 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 he likes Celine a lot. Like it, it there's there thing it, it does. I don't get it, but it is what it is. But um, I was like, well, Dad, you know, you can come to Vegas too. You don't have to go to Adele, but like, I would love to take you both to Vegas for your 50th anniversary. And he was like, no, 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 I don't want to go to Vegas. You you girls go. It's a girls trip. And then he started doing what he does now because he's an old man and um uh, which is he looks up everything on YouTube. Um, he also watches like the celebrity gossip explainer, YouTube stuff, like nonstop, like, like, like the Nikki Swift <laughs> stuff, like why this celebrity has fallen off. Like it's, it's really funny to learn somehow stuff that he man. watches. He's, he's like really into it. It's really That's funny. called the school of hard knocks, ain't it? It totally, <laughs> no, but, but he started looking up the resort and he started seeing the videos of all this stuff and he was like, I want to go. I was like, I told you, <laughs> I told you, you could have gone with us. He was, he's like, I didn't know Vegas was like this. And I'm like. Oh my God. Like my parents oh, had man. apparently missed out on the entire like 2000s, like rebrand of Vegas as like a family friendly luxury vacation thing. Like they, they just totally, totally missed out on that. And we're still under the impression that it was like, like 1970s or 19, there are like, whole like blocks where you can't Vegas. get heroin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to go to downtown. You got to go to downtown Vegas for the heroin, right? Which is like, which we did not do. Like, we did not leave the strip, right? So, so we were like not in real Vegas. I'm, I'm, I'm aware, but yeah, yeah. you know, like they totally a, missed out. It's Sorry, go bizarre on. going going off the strip or even going to the old strip. Like, it's such a trip. How how different the world is over like a four block radius there. Um, like once you leave the strip. Yeah. And yeah. I, I went to I went to multiple NA meetings last time I was in Vegas, uh, which were not on the strip. They were, you know, in like suburban Las Vegas. And it's a different world. It's weird. Yeah. Um, so I want to say something very quaint. What is what now seems very quaint and actually seemed that at the time, but about ticket prices, which is not at all about um what anybody's paying now because that that's just what people are paying. I mean, that's just, that's the mm -hmm. world we live in, right? Like, um, I, was th I was thinking the other day about um, this band Fugazi who always insisted that their tickets, yes, $5. their tickets be $5, but there was one exception and I was there and hmm. they had to play first Avenue and it was on probably one of their, like it was 98, 99, probably and they were doing two nights. I think you two know, shows over two nights. No, it was their um, second to last album actually, I think. Oh. But anyway, they, they, for reasons I don't remember, they had to charge more than $5. I think they had to charge, like, I have the ticket stub somewhere. They had to charge like five seventy five, <laughs> And the reason, the way that they agreed to do that was if they could print the breakdown of every cent over $5 on the fucking <laughs> ticket. <laughs> Um, and so I have that ticket. It just says you know, like five seventy five or whatever, and then it's like every little tax or whatever that's on there. And I was like Fugazi, Fugazi, the hard hardcore band that didn't allow people to mosh at their shows. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I mean, they were they were hyper controlled, right? Yes, like absolutely I mean, straight and, edge to the to the max. And that was a whoa. There goes my microphone. But I thought that that was kind of adorable, and in the face of how where ticket <laughs> prices went. In our world, right. it's like it's oh, beyond yeah. quaint, right? Because even then, I was like, I'm not paying thirty five fucking dollars to go right. to Target I Center paid, and see Neil like, Young. I paid like twenty dollars <laughs> to see Iggy Pop, and that was just yeah, yeah. That yeah. seemed insane to me. Oh my god! <laughs> anyway, Which is amazing. 
see, by the time yeah. I started going to concerts, yeah, unless you were going to a really small show, like those those days were not there or you knew the band or something, right? Which is why yeah. most of the concerts I went to like in high school um, were festivals because yeah right you know you, you because you know okay you pay your 50 bucks or 60 bucks or whatever it is your 100 bucks if you're doing a three-day pass and and you see you've got like 100 bands there right like so that yeah, was yeah. how i saw most bands if they weren't you know really small um because everybody else because it's the fees well even for me the tickets i think were like 1100 a piece and then what happened was StubHub fees were like 50 percent oh for adele yeah yeah. yeah. So, so again, if I had been able to like find somebody to do it one-to-one with, and there are some various like uh, ticket platforms that are apparently, you know, more safe and whatnot, I could have done that for this show. I was absolutely not risking anything. Yeah. You um, get it. I, definitely, yeah. Definitely keeps the rabble out of the show. If you're in a show <laughs> and you know that everyone there paid at least a thousand dollars to be there. Right. <laughs> You're I don't among, know. I bet you're I among bet a certain class of people. At that I bet point. you're still going to deal with some boomer shenanigans. Yeah. Well, or not, well, not, not, not zoomer shenanigans, actually. Zoomer because, shenanigans. Because honestly, because at that point, then you have like really entitled, like either influencers or like mm-hmm. rich, like kids who don't understand. Yeah. Unfortunately, no amount of money will ever have people act right. If sure. that if, if that were the case, then everybody in business class wouldn't act like fools. And there are plenty of examples of that, <laughs> you know. Well, I do. I I will say I love a good residency. I love feeling like I love how you can feel the way the artist has obviously not just spent the last two days traveling and schlepping and whatever. Totally. And that they're just walking comfortably into the building and up on the stage that like, I'm sure it's wonderful for them. But I always feel like it's wonderful as an audience member too. so relaxed. Totally. No. And it's so funny because honestly, Celine really did like completely change it for modern artists. Like nobody who was a current act did it to my knowledge. So it was her her. that really got that going. Yeah. So they built the Coliseum for her, which is where Adele was at Caesars. They built that for her. um, And and that opened in like 2002 or 2003. And that was like, if you think about it, that was, that was peak Celine. Like, well, okay. Peak Celine was probably 98 with my heart will go on, but like she'd had so many big hits. Like she was definitely a big star, right? So she could have done international tours in massive stadiums. Um, but you know, she had the geriatric husband and, um, Mm. and I, and the kids, I think. And so she was like, oh, I'm going to do Vegas. And at that point, to my knowledge, correct me if I'm wrong listeners, but I I think my history on this is right. Is it was mostly legacy acts. And then she was the first like modern kind of like hot act who did it. And like you too is doing a residency this year. They're going to be at at the, at the Venetian, I think. Um, and it could be considered legacy. Couldn't they? They are, but my okay. point being, like, of course they are, but I'm just saying, like, like, but, but, but I say this: YouTube's last tour, which was a decade ago, and I know it's a decade, but still, YouTube's last tour is still to this day the best-selling, like, the highest-grossing tour of all time. Huh. Like, so, and 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 that was a hundred plus shows where they were playing in the, the, the 360 stadiums, you know, a hundred thousand plus people. So, you know, um, even when even those big rock acts, like, you know. Uh, are, are doing residencies, but yeah, you see everybody doing it. You know, Brittany obviously had her, had a residency and, and um, Katy Perry has one there right now, but um, you know, uh, it's usually not like top of their game artists though. So that is still, I think a little bit unique to Adele 
and and a little bit like Celine because like Katy Perry is is not selling records like she used to, whereas Adele is still selling. Yeah. You know, like mil- she's still selling millions and millions of albums. So, um, mm. yeah. but but you're right. It's great. It's great for the artist and and for the fans, like you said, Jeff. So like yeah. 20 minutes to talk about Vegas. That was a, it was a, a good intro salad. It was sorry solid. about that. And that's also my that's mental health good. update. So everybody no apologies. Else yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, Christina, do you want to do the ZocDoc read this week? Yes, absolutely. This episode is brought to you by ZocDoc. All right. So you're trying to find a cause for your symptoms and, you know, maybe you've got like a cough because you were just in Las Vegas and you're around a bunch of people and you're like, oh my God, do I have an ear infection? Do I have like a sore throat? Do I have COVID? <laughs> this Vegas like, what's COVID? going on? <laughs> I, exactly. Like, what do I have? Anyway, you stumble down a TikTok rabbit hole full of questionable advice from so-called experts. Do not take like the, the dewormer. That's all I'm going to say. But there are better ways to get the answers that you want and the care that you deserve from trusted professionals and, you know, not randos on the internet. Don't trust the randos on the internet. Reddit is not medical advice. Uh, neither is WebMD. Frankly, ZocDoc helps you find expert doctors and medical professionals that specialize in the care that you need and deliver the type of experience that you want. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. So when you're not feeling your best and you're just trying to hold it together, finding great care shouldn't take up all your energy. And honestly, like that's true. That can take up a lot of your energy when you just feel sick. And this is where ZocDoc comes in. Using their free app that millions of users rely on, you can find the right doctor that meets your needs and fits your schedule. You can book an appointment uh, with just a couple of taps in the app and start feeling better faster with ZocDoc. So go to ZocDoc.com slash overtired and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then you can find and book top rated doctors today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com slash overtired. ZocDoc.com slash overtired. I've probably told you this before, but there was one time I was in Vegas and apparently there's some kind of desert pollen that causes uh, like flu-like symptoms. And I had like an allergic reaction, completely lost my voice, stuffy nose. It was like, I thought I had left Minnesota behind, but all of a sudden I had this just horrible like head cold and laryngitis and it was awful. Yuck. I spent I spent the, my entire four days in Vegas just unable to talk, unable to breathe. It was awful. Um, well, and wow. and WebMD told me I had cancer, so I could have used ZocDoc. Um, that's a, that's a web that's a WebMD. <laughs> well, joke. desert cancer. Um, desert cancer. So our, Vegas cancer. Our our podcast <laughs> our podcast swap this week comes from the Calm the Bleep Down podcast. Our days are busy, and with so much going on, it can be hard to stay stress-free and balanced. That's why there is Calm the Bleep Down. Calm the Bleep Down is a podcast to help you get back to feeling refreshed and relaxed so you can navigate the chaos of regular life with some balance and perspective. Each week, host Michael Beckemeyer releases two free guided meditations. They're low-key, relaxed, and simple. With each meditation lasting 15 to 20 minutes, it's not a huge commitment, and the benefits can make it well worth your time. 
You don't even need to know how to do it. Anyone can meditate. All you have to do is close your eyes and breathe for a few moments. Maybe, like so many others, you have a really busy mind and you're convinced you can't meditate. Or maybe it's been a while and you want to get back into the habit. Search for Calm the Bleep Down in the Apple Podcasts app or wherever you listen to podcasts and come meditate with us. Or them, depending on whose voice this this read is written in. Christina says she's already done her mental health check-in. Um, yep. I'll give you my quick update. I uh, So I missed a week of the podcast because I was sick and then immediately went into like a hypomanic phase where I was still sleeping like six to eight hours a night, but definitely like had my uh, obsession, my coding, like I just wanted to be in my office coding all the time, uh, which I enjoy. It's great. I, I get a lot done. Um, it lasted, uh, I, I, yesterday I decided I was going to stop taking my ADHD meds cause I needed to kind of get off this, uh, very long hypomanic phase. Um, so today I'm, I am without medication and, uh, a little bit, uh, scattered feeling a little calmer, but not much. Like I honestly, I, I'm, I'm in the middle <laughs> of what could be a very long hypomanic phase. Um, I don't hate it. My girlfriend tells me I've been distant. Um, I don't know exactly what that means, but she's like, not emotionally distant. Like, I feel like you're here, but then I don't, I don't know. I guess I'm not, I'm not the greatest partner when I'm manic. I know that, but um, I thought I was holding it together pretty well this time. But um, yeah, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to, kind of end it get back to stable uh hopefully without a lot of depression but um it's been it's been over a week that i've been just slightly elevated which uh at first i was like holy shit did i find the new stable did i find like the perfect stable <laughs> where i'm like productive and like and focused and and happy and uh but it got old after a little bit so still haven't <laughs> still haven't found that sweet spot <laughs> That sounds like a sweet spot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm, uh, I'm, I've been, I've been thinking, or sorry, I've been observing myself. Like, I don't know if it's that I'm moving too fast or that my, my brain is impacted by certain medications or what, but I've been kind of just making little mistakes that are making me crazy and that aren't, I mean, some of these are in publishing the podcasts and Brett will be like, it's not that, not that big of a deal. And I'm like, ah, fuck, I can't, I don't do it again. Don't give up on me. Ah. Um, and uh, so it's just like a lot of little things like that, that are it just, when they add up like that, they can be kind of stressful. And I, I realized I was kind of looking for a reason. And I realized that like, you know, in a couple months, my, the project I've been doing for five years ends and it's my only source of income. Um, and I'm looking at what the hell to do next. And I think for me, when I'm in that position, I go through a whole swirl of like, I have moments where I feel confident and I'm, I I feel like, yeah, no, I've, I can, I can definitely build off of what I've done in the past. And I'm really proud of that, whatever into like imposter syndrome where it's like, oh, but it's all a fucking house of cards and like whatever. And, um, so I've been kind of cycling with that and, And realizing like, oh, I wonder if that's actually impacting my like overall sort of um, cognitive abilities because it takes up like way more space than 
I, I think it will, or I think it does. Um, so I'm just trying to like, I'm just trying to continually slow myself down a little bit. Um, part of, part of the way I'm doing that is like, if I've, if I'm in the middle of trying to do something and I'm moving kind of fast, I'll just stop and try to like write out what it is I'm doing and I'm going to do next it, when that's useful. I don't, I wouldn't do yeah. it if it wasn't useful. Um, but just trying to kind of like stop myself and slow down a little bit and get, give myself just a little spaciousness. Cause I don't think I need a ton of spaciousness. I think I need just a little, and I need many little bits of spaciousness <laughs> through the day. Um, so, and I need to not be in a situation where I'm, where I have no choice, but to rush, which is yeah. a situation I put myself in all the time. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to kind of deal with that rather than being like, what's wrong with my brain. Um, I'm, I'm like, well, here it's what's obviously wrong with your brain and it can be solved with behavioral changes. <laughs> so anyhow, that's my deal. All right. But it's a lot like I, I have, you know, I have a wife and two kids and I'm, I, I'm a, I'm a breadwinner in this house. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, shit, I got to get this right. Right. Um, you got to so. get shit done for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyhow, that's my deal. Yeah. What do we, my, uh, the tech world is facing massive layoffs, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and nobody working in tech is feeling perfectly secure. Um, I don't care how untouched nope. your team seems right now. There's yeah. like, there's yep. a, what was it? Google employees were fired by email and they found out a lot of them found out they were, they had been laid uh, off when their key cards didn't let them into uh, the building the next day. That's so, insane. so rough. There's no, there's no guarantee that uh, tech jobs are safe, which is probably true across the economy. I'm just mostly involved. Well, in there's a lot, a lot uh, of those but, tech moves, but I spend a lot of time thinking, Holy shit, what do I do if, if I get laid off in the middle of a tech recession and nobody's hiring, like what happens to me? What happens to, to my family? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like me and my right. partner and my animals, yeah. I guess, but that's a family. Um, well, I, I think so. If, 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 if it makes you feel any better, Brett, like I think that you, a, I think you're in a better position than a lot of other people because you have a lot of skills so you can be slotted into a lot of things. Um, I, I have a very, um, I have a much uh, smaller set of skills, shall we say. Uh, so um, I, I worry somewhat, but I'm also, I have to just be confident that if something happens, I'll find something. But I think you have a very broad skill set where you could be slotted into a lot of things. The only thing I'll say, and I also am worried about the the, the tech recession and, and whatnot, is that even though all these layoffs are happening, if you look like, even in the United States, at the number of like engineers that we need we still don't have enough so even if like the 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 scary thing with the big companies doing the layoffs is that you might find another job but it might not pay as well and depending on your budget and if you're like really reliant on like that you know like mid six figure salary like uh, you know for your mortgage and all these other things like that could really fuck you i'm not like discounting that but if if this is more like a like a you know early two thousands kind of tech bubble thing and 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 we don't know yet like there are still like startups I I know for a fact are still hiring and so you're sort of in this weird place where yeah okay you might lose your job at Google and and I'm not in any way discounting how horrible and like awful and stressful that would be but there are other places hiring it's not like 
you know, some industries that I've worked in where like then no one is hiring and, you know, you wouldn't even be able to find anything comparable to live off of. So I hope that can give you a little bit of it, it, it's not going to give you reassurance, but just, <laughs> just, just to say, like, I'm just looking at it. There are still jobs. They're just maybe different, right? Like we just, yeah. I think the, the interesting thing is and Brett and I were talking about this before the podcast started. There's this entire generation of people who um, have never been through layoffs or a recession before. Mm. And, and that's weird for me because I used to work in journalism, which obviously had lots of that, right? Even after like the boom years of digital, which was the only part of journalism I worked in, there were all kinds of layoffs. But, you know, I also graduated from college in 2008. So like my entire like worldview was shaped by that. And, uh, but there's a whole yeah. generation of people who've literally never seen it. And so uh, I totally understand the the anxiety because I have questions too. I'm also the breadwinner in my house. So I definitely have, I'm definitely there with you where, you know, I have decent savings and and I'd be okay. Um, but you know, like, yeah, you know, you're definitely having like, those questions. It's like, amazing how fast savings can disappear when you have no other source of income. Like I have decent savings right now too. Um, probably probably not as decent as yours because I've only been back in the job world for right. a little over a year now. Um, but like I could survive six months, like if I lost my job and had no like unemployment or anything i could survive six months um comfortably at my current lifestyle uh yeah. but but then right know, if it I took me longer than that to find a job i'd be in trouble yeah i could do a year right now um at, at my current stuff and and probably extend that if, if i cut things down um but you know, I definitely don't want to do that. Right. And yeah, that would be, right. and, 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 and to be clear, that's, that, that's before going into the 401k. Right. Yeah, exactly. Same. Which, which I wouldn't want to touch. Um, right. so I, ha I have a year, but yeah, I obviously don't, you know, yeah, my, you know, yeah. my 401k, I lost half, I lost half of my 401k from the first half of my career when I got divorced. I just, uh, without really even being asked, I just was like, you deserve half of this. And I just signed over half my 401k. Um, and then didn't, didn't have a job for the next like seven years. Um, obviously no lawyers involved, <laughs> well, you know, which is better at many times. Yeah, I know it's, way um, better. <laughs> my divorce was super easy. It was, it, it, it went fine. Um, I think I did, I think I did right by her. Um, at the time we got divorced, she was making more than I was anyway. So, um, it, it, it that wasn't too hard, but I didn't start re-adding to my 401k until last year. Um, so mm. basically, I have the 401k of like a 21-year-old right now. Um, yeah, it's not, a it's not significant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah, and mine is mostly my – I mean, I have my, – my, my 401k is definitely not what it should be because I saved a whole lot less than, than um, you know, you were suggested to because I lived in New York City and I was like – what do you mean I'm supposed to save this amount of uh, yeah money? yeah uh, yeah fuck you um <laughs> but but a lot of my stuff has been uh it, it's been caught up in stock stock that I didn't sell dumbly um and the stock has has you know gone down significantly in the last year so that's been yeah. fun to just see a third of that disappear but Ugh. you know yeah yeah yeah. But also, at I, least uh, I work in an industry that gives me stock, so that there's I, that. I've, I've restricted right. stock units that if I stick around long enough, they'll they'll vest and I'll be able to take them out. But I 
I have another six months before the first quarter of my last bonus actually vests and I can touch it. Okay. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully I can stick around that long. We'll see. Yeah, my 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 <laughs> mine, mine vests quarterly, but I I don't do the thing that after do with after a year. I learned this about GitHub. Uh, it vests quarterly after a year, but your first year you can't. Well, no, but, well that that's that's for your signing uh, amount. Um, because I was joining from Microsoft, oh, all okay. my stock already transferred over, and then my my bonus that I got at GitHub is quarterly. So I was already on like a Microsoft vest. So, but yeah, um, so, most of them, most of them, the, the, the first amount that they give you will vest. Yeah. yeah. Um, at least the signing amount will, will, will vest, um, after a year, but, but, um, your first bonus, even if you get that in under a year, usually vest quarterly. Nice. Um, I know we have a, we have a few topics to cover. I, uh, the week I was gone, you guys mentioned King of the Hill, and it's mm-hmm. come up a few times. <laughs> um, great show. Uh, last time Christina mentioned it was about the uh, Y2K episode. Yeah. And uh, so I I was like, all right, Christina seems very gung-ho on King of the Hill. Like, she brings it up all the time, and I okay. trust Christina. <laughs> I trust Christina's, like, media chops. And I had seen, I had watched it when it was on. And I enjoyed it. It was a good show. I had I had warm feelings about it. But I had just watched all of Futurama and been disappointed. Um, and Christina said, you know, King of the Hill is better. And so I went back and I started from the beginning. I'm on season nine now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been watching it. Uh, we have we have learned that Elle is her, at her best if she has some time to uh with with autism and and recovery times needed from social interactions if she has an hour to two hours of just her time um like close the door read write do all of those things so i'm left in the living room uh and i watch king of the hill every night now um (laughs) and it is really good yeah like the way that they have it set up so you have like an uptight christian patriotic texas family uh dealing with the problems that arise from having a slightly a different kid like he's a good kid Mm -hmm. uh but but he maybe is a little more effeminate than than the 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 dad would like maybe he's a little pudgier than his parents expected him to be like all of these little things that they have to deal with and they have to deal with all of the things that bobby brings into their lives and it deals with it in a way that even my ultra right wing religious parents could watch and understand the progression that Hank goes through every week as he learns to deal with these new things. And they do it in a way that is not offensive, like it's not in your face. They tackle these issues in a way that's like, yeah, it's it's OK to be offended by this at first. But here's why. Here's why you will eventually come around and still love your son, despite your misgivings at first. And I think it's a brilliant show. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally thank you for saying that. Um, I this is this is Grant's favorite show, and and he always calls himself like like that he was Bobby Hill as a kid, and <laughs> and and that's how he really related to it. And yeah, the, the show, and even you know you, when you get into the later seasons, it does fall off the rails a little bit more. Although there are still some gems, but like it, it's um I think it's a really great 
just kind of representation of a lot of the characters like Hank, it, who's this conservative kind of guy, like he could have been an archetype that would have been really one dimensional. And he's not a one dimensional character. Yeah. You know, he really feels like a real person. He's not Archie and, Bunker. Yeah. No. Yeah. And he really does evolve and he really does grow. Right. And uh, there's there's this great episode um, that happened, I guess, in 2000 when George W. Bush was running for president where he met him at, um, at, at like a fair or something. And then he had a weak handshake and then he has this crisis of conscience about who he's going to vote for. Um, and uh, it, 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 it's very, very funny. Um, there was this great thing that I saw um, over Christmas. Uh, I'm going to blink it in our, our show notes. It's called Priests React to King of the Hill. And it's these two um, priests and they do these react videos. They're these two like like Catholic priests, these two friars, I guess, who uh, react to um, various uh, pop culture media. And they talk about the one where the episode that they react to is the one where uh, Hank um, leaves his church because they mm -hmm. give up his seats to someone else. And, and then they go to the mega church and, mm -hmm. and kind of the whole thing there. And it's actually it's like it's, it's a really interesting thing to watch to get that perspective from, uh. you know, even if you're someone like me who, who doesn't appreciate or does, it's not that I don't appreciate, but who doesn't really jive with organized religion um, it was actually, I even had Grant watch it and he really liked the reaction and he's even more anti-religion than I am. Um, he, who really, really liked, um, their response to it. And, and it was really interesting because one of the, the priests is, is younger and it's clearly showing the older one, this media, but they, they, <laughs> they, they walk away with it, like very impressed and thinking, oh no, they've got the, got the message right. Um, Greg Daniels, who was one of the co-creators went on to create the office and and I think that you you can see a lot of like the humanity and things that you later saw in the office. You can see it in King of the Hill. So yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you've been enjoying it because I really do think it's one yeah. of those like special shows. I think of you a lot when I watch it. I'm like, oh, Christina would have loved this. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, can I ask you guys to explain something to me like I was five? Yes. yes. OK, why is it that there are so many things that only work in Chrome even though chromium is everywhere. In my experience, if something says it will work in Chrome, it'll work in a chromium browser. Um, mm. They're not going to, most places aren't going to be like, this also works in Brave. They're just going to say Chrome because it has so much market share. Uh, yeah. But for the most part, like Riverside, which we're using to record this, for example, yeah. uh, do, it, it works fine in, in Brave or Edge. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you're talking about Chromium, the open source Google thing, is that what you're talking about? Um, yeah. Jeff. Okay. That lacks a couple libraries that um, some websites call on. So it's um, DRM is one of the big ones. So Wildvine, which is like the the DRM that uh, YouTube, uh, or I, actually I don't think YouTube uses it, but Netflix and and Hulu and a bunch of other services rely on, um, is is bundled into Chrome official, and it's actually bundled into Firefox, which was very controversial, but that was the correct move. I'm sorry for the for the you know open source purists or free software purists. Excuse me, free software purists. Yeah, yeah. Don't 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 want to miss <laughs> label anyone. Um, but but that was the right decision. Um, but there are a couple of there are a couple of specific things that Google does in Chrome, which then is by the most part adopted in Brave and in Opera and in Edge and other things that for whatever reason are not in the pure open source builds of Chromium. Um, mm. But it's usually DRM related. And and I don't know why. I would say, 
and and Brett, tell me your thoughts on this. But I mean, at this point, a lot of it is it is like Internet Explorer all over again, where a lot of developers just don't even bother to test in desktop Safari. They will test in in mobile Safari because they have to, mm. but they don't even bother to test in Firefox, right? Like, and there's certainly, you know, WebKit they're not going to use. And so it's one of those things that if there are flags um, that, that might be off on Chromium, and, and I don't know what they might be for some reason, the, the, the site is using one of those things. Maybe, maybe that's why it breaks. Tell me, uh, describe and uh, tell me this, like I'm five, what is Chromium? Okay, so Chromium is the pure open source implementation of the Chrome browser. So it is um, taking all the Google bits out of it. So Google would have their server for some of the extensions and for maybe some of the stuff that they would do for YouTube, you know, or, or DRM, as I said. And, and this is what they're basically kind of giving out to the community and, and frankly, Linux users to be like, look, you wanted something that, that is unencumbered and that is de-Googled, here you go. It's not going to mm. have all the niceties that we have and it's not going to have like all the bells and whistles and polish but this will this will work, um, and and you can uh, be assured that it is purely uh, quote unquote open source or free software. Yeah. Okay. So what is built on Chromium or out of Chromium? <laughs> um, well, it, ver- it 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 depends. Again, like Microsoft Edge is technically based on Chromium, but they use a lot of things from the Chrome project too. And then Microsoft is obviously going to add in the DRM component and, and the other things, and they're going to adhere really strictly to the Chrome release schedule to try to make sure that if it works in Chrome, it'll work in Edge. Um, but if you, for instance, wanted to build a brand new web browser that had the the, the Chrome engine, so you'd have the JavaScript engine, and you would also have like the, the rendering engine Blink, um, and you would have the ability to use the extension format, um, you could just use the Chromium base and then add or remove whatever, whatever you know, kind of googly bits you wanted. But like the idea I would see. be, for instance, like a lot of the reason you know, Brave kind of started and, and Edge to, to a certain degree too. Like they don't have all of like the, the, the really high Google optimized things, right? Which, which are really dedicated for, you know, around Google search and, uh, and the other Google services. Like that's not part of Chromium. So, yeah. so the idea of Chromium is, is basically like you can take our JavaScript um, um, engine and, and, our, and, yeah. and, our, and our, you know, renderer, um, but there are other things that the Google builds that that they are like, hey, this is ours, and I and if you want to use them, and and like the Dev Tools, for instance, are I, I believe for the most part open source, but some people build on them. Like I actually think that the Edge uh, Dev Tools are better now, um, which I know is an anathema, but but I actually think they are. But if you wanted to, you know, make changes. Um, uh, to, to remove certain things, which usually people do for privacy reasons, where they're like, we don't want all of our searches and all of our pages and everything that we're doing necessarily be tracked by Google or whoever, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll do our own thing. Or if you are a, a company who's like, I don't like manifest V3, which is going to be the thing that, that Google is supposed to uh, finally force everyone on in the next couple of months, which will make ad blocking as we've done traditionally much more difficult. Mm. In mm. theory, somebody could fork, you know, um, uh, or one of the forks like, 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 like brave or, or, or Chrome uh, or not Chrome edge edge isn't going to do it, but, but brave could, they could be like, Hey, actually we want to still support the old, um, extension manifest, um, and, and, and continue to upkeep the fork, if that makes any sense. Okay. Okay. So really when I, I was kind of thinking about it wrong, 
um, it's really that where Chromium exists, there's a whole lot more built on top that yeah, is the, proprietary the new, to the new Edge Arc, or Chrome or the yeah. new Arc browser that uh, Brian and Quinn. You guys weren't here for that episode, but it's great, uh, they it's were talking about talking about Arc, and it had it adds a lot of uh, rather ingenious developments, but it's Chromium based. And mm-hmm. I don't think that browser could exist if they didn't have Chromium to build off of. No. Yeah. Cause they'd have to do the entire thing from scratch. S- same thing right. even with, with brave. Right. Or even frankly, like, like Microsoft edge, Microsoft had its, the old edge, like was its own rendering engine and JavaScript thing, Trident and, and like it evolved from internet Explorer. And then they had it adoption wasn't there development was slow couldn't get extension developers and so that team made what i think was the right choice but it was definitely a hard one and it was definitely a contentious one where they said okay we are going to scrap all the original work that we've spent years and years on and had a ton of engineers doing and instead we are going to rebase off of chromium um but we're going to work upstream as much as we can with google but we are going to make our own optimizations so that things like have better battery life and maybe it'll be more integrated with certain windows things. And, you know, uh, we will default to Bing and, and instead of Google, although that is always the very first thing that I change, right. They have their own <laughs> extension store, um, you know, for, for edge, but you can also go to the Chrome store and install any extension, which is the same thing you can do on, on arc or on, um, you know, on, on, on brave or whatever. So, okay. So then, Oh, go ahead, Brett. I just got to say, like, Bing is the last search engine to offer an API. Mm-hmm. Uh, they charge for it. Like, you have to you have to subscribe and pay to use the Bing search API. But as someone who puts a back end, a search back end into multiple projects, um, I greatly appreciate everyone else has pulled what yeah. little APIs they had to begin with. Even DuckDuckGo has pulled their API. Which like, is funny because they're based on Bing, right? Yeah. So I mean, they Duck, didn't Duck want Go to pay. is based on Bing. A lot of it, wow. yeah. They, they source a, they source from multiple engines, but yeah, yeah. Bing is a big, yeah, Bing yeah. Is a big source. Yeah, it's not. A, it used to be their primary one, but but uh, now they have like their own crawlers too. Yeah, they source from yeah. multiple places, but but at least historically, Bing has always been their largest. Yeah. Why is it good that they're these people are pulling their APIs. It's not. It's not good. Oh, I thought you said it was okay. If you you state it in a way that had me thinking, you were like, no. I mean, okay, basically, it all comes down to ad money, yeah, and being and being able to control what people see. And if you Bingo. just expose this huge, this huge trawling database you have of search results, uh, you can't make money off of that. Yep. So yep. so Bing charges for access to the search API. And I, I've never paid for it, so I don't know if it's if you get the exact same results as you would in the browser or not. Uh, but I do know that Google has made it nearly impossible to even scrape results. And DuckDuckGo does not make it simple. Um, DuckDuckGo, it's easy to work around and get like the one top result from DuckDuckGo. Mm. Uh, but anything else to actually get like search results from anything, it's no longer even feasible. Yeah. And and Bing is is um apparently they're going to be building ChatGPT into it, right? So which yeah, is cool. ten billion dollar investment, sure, absolutely. And uh, and and that was even but before Google that, supposed yeah. Google supposedly has um something that like their AI supposedly is already at the same level as ChatGPT. Mm-hmm. So this this purchase this this investment 
brings Microsoft closer to uh, what Google already has in house. Totally. Well, yeah, but but you're not wrong. I mean, and I don't know how. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't work at Google, obviously, so I don't know what their um, capabilities are. And and Microsoft had a lot of capabilities even before the OpenAI OpenAI partnership. Um, however, like. And, and this is, I think, what, what the ultimate question will be with how these things work out is it's like, who can who can execute the best, right? Because there are countless examples of people with better technology or as good technology, but can't execute as well. And Google has had arguably, I would say, like a, a decade head start on everybody else in AI, but they haven't done anything that is like worked. I mean, other than the Google Photos stuff, which is amazing, but people don't think about as as AI in the same way. They haven't done anything that is so far that is, you know, captured kind of like the mainstream public, yeah, you know, where you, like uh, as ChatGPT. You mix you mix ChatGPT level AI into like a home assistant or into fucking Clippy for that matter. Yep. Um and you have some tools that are seriously useful. Yep. Um that that are like it's the future. The future is now. Like this Absolutely. stuff is about to start happening. So. Oh no, I totally agree. I and 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 I'm not like I. I don't think that like it's a it's a given that that, that OpenAI will be the winner. I have no idea who will win, but yeah. I, I I do think that there's something to be said with like well, Google. Google has had this capability for a long time. For whatever reason, they they didn't execute. You know, despite these huge investments, OpenAI is basically operating as a nonprofit, uh, capped, capped, uh, for profit. Yeah, meaning it, like it, they limit. Yeah, it's a hundred times the investment amount. So, yeah. so they're not in it to get rich. They're in it to keep the servers running. Right. Um, which in you know we live in a capitalist society, and whoever makes the most money is going to have the most dominant technology. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. Totally. A lot. A lot of the investment from Microsoft has historically gone, just frankly, towards compute stuff because all of it runs yeah. on Azure and it's expensive. Well, it's expensive, yeah, it, for sure. It, because all, almost everything they're doing is is GPU bound, and that is really expensive. And so, mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, like Azure is going to have to buy a whole lot. And I know they've been working on this for a while because obviously, like I, you know, work on some things that are adjacent to this. But you know, been trying to to get way more GPUs, you know, for the data centers where. Um, it's sort of an interesting place where I think, like, I think we talked about this before, like data centers are really moving less from being like processor based because you kind of reached a point where you can even do arm, um, uh, you know, uh, stuff and save money for, for, for your data centers for some of your compute. But when you're talking about AI, it is all GPU bound. And I don't even, I don't even want to know what the ecological impact of something like open AI is. Yeah. I don't know. Oh I, it's, it's, oof. It's better than Bitcoin, though, because I mean, at yeah. least, you know what I mean? Like, at the very least, it's actually being used for something. Like, right. you know what actually I mean? Actually, had some productive use in society. Well, maybe as it comes up and Bitcoin comes down, it all just. <laughs> yeah. Comes well, and, and then I think that the hope is obviously is that these GPUs will over time become more and more power efficient. And, you know, uh, things will, as models get better, you will be less maybe bound on those ends. But yeah, we'll see. But you're not wrong. I mean, those are definitely things to think about, like long term, like what is the what is the impact of this stuff? Because it's not nothing, but it, it is uh, given like the ecological impact of what we used to be using GPUs for, which was literally just to create fake money, you know, right? like, yeah, at least right. we get something out of it. All right. You know, so you're not, didn't... You're, you're not wrong. Ahead, with 
You're not wrong would be the great a great name for a podcast, not an episode, but just like <laughs> welcome to you're not wrong. The the opposing <laughs> view to you're wrong about, which yeah, is a exactly. great podcast, by the way. We should do yeah, a swap with you're wrong about. Um, <laughs> we didn't get to no sir. I I'm going to do a little more research on it. I think it will be a topic along with talking about Mastodon. Um, awesome. And maybe we revisit in the future uh, the travesty that is the Elon Musk Twitter. But for this week, we should get to gratitude. Um, who wants to kick off? I can if nobody's up for it yet. I'm fine whenever. Go for it, Jeff. Um, okay, so my pick this week is um, the Readwise Reader. Uh, Readwise is a service I've used for a long time, really just as a pipeline for all of my highlights from Apple Books and um, Instapaper and everything to pump them into my, well, back in the day, yeah. we called it a second brain. I kind of dump it into Obsidian or I was playing with Rome before that. And even before that, it was just text files, right? So it just like does a nice job of almost creating like an API of all my um, highlights. But I always regarded it as just a pass-through kind of situation. Um, just this week, I saw that they have a beta for something called the Readwise Reader, and it blew my mind. Um, so basically, you can picture um, Instapaper, uh, where you can read your articles in a nice, you know, readable format. You can highlight, um, you can look at just your highlights, that kind of thing. So at its base, it's kind of an Instapaper-like service, but it takes in um, EPUBs, Twitter threads, YouTube videos, RSS feeds, email newsletters, whatever. Like it takes in just about anything and, and handles everything like with a kind of grace and just that I did not expect um, from such a service. It even allows you to um, watch YouTube videos with the transcript going um, and you can highlight in the transcript. Uh, and so anyhow, it captures all kinds of stuff. It presents it beautifully. There's a there's a, a, a right uh, sidebar and a left sidebar, and then down the middle is your article. Um, and it has the most amazing keyboard shortcuts. They're so simple. Nice. So like if I'm looking at an article, there's going to be like a focus indicator on the left side of a line or a paragraph. And I can just, you know, use the arrows to kind of navigate down. And then when I want to highlight, I just hit H and it highlights that Perfect. line or that paragraph. And then in your right sidebar, it shows up as a highlight. Nice. Um, and you can highlight fucking images and they'll show <laughs> up in there. Um, and then, you know, you, if you want to like write a note and highlight it, you, you just type N and all of a sudden the highlight is in the sidebar and you've got a, a prompt, uh, to type your note into, it's just like, nice. it is so, um, elegant and it's even got this really crazy, uh, feature where it uses GPT three. Um, it's called Ghost Reader. So you there's a keyboard um, shortcut to invoke Ghost Reader. At which point you can ask the document a question, summarize the document, generate Q and A pairs using your highlights, <laughs> <laughs> and then using the I don't know much about the Jinja templating language, but apparently you can use that to make custom queries of the of the article. Um, and, and that's not all. Um, it also is a web highlighter. So I can be on any web page in the whole wide world and I can highlight something and right click and say, either save just this highlight to my readwise or save this article with this highlight to my nice. readwise. And so like, this is something I've dreamt of for a really long time to be able yeah. to really just interact like elegantly 
um, and powerfully with any kind of content um, and then be able to export it into something. And so they've, there's all kinds of stuff they're still going to be adding. Um, but I was actually surprisingly <laughs> impressed with the generating of Q and a pairs. I didn't think I cared. Nice. Um, but when I read them, I was super interested and then like generate thought provoking questions, I actually found it an interesting way to review. I won't do it, but it was interesting. Um, so anyway, uh, I think it's free right now or it is free right now. It's in beta. I'm sure it'll cost something at some point, but it sounds like a incredible service. Yeah. Yeah. I, should, I hope it costs something at some point. Okay. So I actually have a couple. So I've been playing with Mastodon a little bit more over the last uh, couple of days um, because not only is Twitter uh, killed the third party clients as we discussed <clears throat> last episode, um, but my experience on Twitter has become degraded uh, as it has for a lot of other people. Yeah. I, there's, there's, um, a thread um, that uh, I will link to um, from from like a former engineer that is uh, kind of um, opining about like why this might be because of various things, um, you know, being shut down with the service with the server. Basically, the website can't keep up with um, with, with what's going on, um, and uh, and so um, it's uh, it's not great. Um, so I've been playing a little bit more with Mastodon finally. And that's because there's finally some decent clients for Mastodon. So the first one is an iOS client, or there are two iOS clients. The first one is called Ice Cubes, and it is open source, um, and it's available in the App Store. Um, and it is a really, really good um, iOS client. It's free, uh, but you can uh, tip the, the creator, which I absolutely have. Uh, this was, for some reason, banned from the App Store for a number of uh, days it was the whole poo-ha-ha. but but it is um now available is unfortunately only on on um you know uh, iOS it doesn't work on um, Mac OS uh but but it's great and uh Ivory is also um now available from the the Tapbots team so the team behind um Tweetbot. Tweetbot now make a make a client called Ivory, which launched uh, yesterday as we're recording this. Yeah, um, it is. Uh, it, it's two dollars a month or, or, or fifteen dollars a year. So you know, um, it's it's a little more expensive than it was before. But I love to be able to support uh, good devs. And then some people were recommending this to me. There is um, a web app called Elk Zone. This is also on GitHub. That is, um, in my opinion, a much much better web interface for Mastodon. It is much more similar when the way you look at it to what like the old Twitter interface was back when like Twitter had a decent web interface. So this is now becoming my my primary way of wanting to uh, to interact with Mastodon on um, the desktop. Uh, I'm still looking for like a good Mac clients. There have apparently been some good ones that people have mentioned. I think one is called Mona, but I haven't tried that out yet. And so uh, yeah, Mastodon apps are are finally kind of coming into their own, um, which is interesting. You know, it 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 uh, lagged a little bit longer than, um, well, actually a lot longer. You, it, it says something that it took this many years uh, for Mastodon to exist for for really good sure. clients to come out. But yeah. I do think it it, it, it is because uh, of the decisions that Twitter has made, not just with the third party stuff, but with degrading the overall experience. Where you now finally have people who are actually really talented both with with um you know design and with with um programming finally coming together to to make things so 
So the Mastodon stuff is my stuff, and and I'm at film underscore girl at uh, Mastodon uh, dot social. I uh, awesome. I use I use Toot with an exclamation point on iOS. Uh, it's been around for quite a while. I uh, I do quite well with it, but I'm definitely going to check out Ivory. That uh, anything from Tapbots gets my vote. So for sure, one one of the nice things about Ice Cubes, I will say that I hope other clients adopt, is that it has this ability for you to bring in a remote local instance. And what that means is that you can bring in basically a timeline from um, like other uh, um, instances that you're not part of. And you can like browse like whatever their public things are. So this is a really good way for discovery. So like for me, one of my problems, there are services like Move to Dawn and other things where it'll find your followers on other um, platforms and, and bring them in for you. But one of the things is that sometimes, you know, like because it's decentralized, you don't see all the 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 content other people are are putting on and so i have some friends who are on hacky derm i have some friends who are on infosec.exchange and i have some friends that are on other instances and um it's annoying to have to like try to bring up like a if you're on the desktop i guess you could just like browse that but it's it's annoying to try to do that and so one of the nice things i like about ice cube is that you can bring in like a remote local instance where you can browse those kind of like main timelines and then that way you could interact or follow people from that which i think is a really really good thing i hope that i hope that other clients adopt that feature because i think that's a really really good solution to trying to figure out like where is everybody at because i'm like on like the default instance but there are a lot of people who are on other more specialized ones and and even though people tell you what instance you're on doesn't matter, it kind of does when you're kind of getting your feet wet and trying to kind of discover where all your people are. So I, uh, Elon Musk tweeted out a tweet that just had uh, two shield icons and in between it, it said Veritas in three spaced out syllables, uh, to which I wrote back uh, two shields with, oh, fuck off. (laughs) And, uh, and that got me so many responses from Elon fanboys, uh, yeah, and even <laughs> even fangirls. I, I oh yeah. But then, right in the middle of that, uh, like not as a reply to Elon, I just wrote the Twitter client on Mac sucks. Fuck you, Elon Musk, for taking away taking Tweetbot away. This piece of shit can't even complete a username from the keyboard. It requires a mouse click, and I loathe having to reach for the mouse just to click your stupid, stupid name, um, which got me banned from Twitter for 10 hours. Oh, my God. But it was 10 hours I didn't have to read hateful replies from fucking Musk fanboys. My 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 jaw is, like, literally dropped, though. Like, that got you banned for 10 hours? Yeah. Yes, it said uh, you may not engage in tar- in the targeted harassment of someone, even though it's totally punching up, and even though it was entirely justified anger, uh, yeah. uh, or incite other people to do so. This includes wishing or hoping that someone experiences physical harm. All I said was "fuck you, Elon Musk." Yeah, that was my that- targeted harassment. Okay, oh there's a certain God. irony in this because, like, that used to be the shit that, like the the people on that elon used to like get mad about because yeah. look twitter yeah. twitter did used to do some of this shit twitter did used to do a thing where like if you told like mike pence to go fuck himself like they would like maybe like 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 you know quarantine your account or whatnot and and i'm of the opinion i know some people will, will um uh disagree with me i don't actually think that saying kill yourself to someone is, is impolite i don't actually think that's a death threat i'm sorry i don't mm. I, and and, yeah. and i don't think telling someone to go fuck themselves 
is is a threat of violence, right? Like I've had actual rape and death threats come to like my inbox and things to the point where because of not because I have any trust in the police, but because of like corporate policies and whatnot, I've had to report them and, and the police don't give a shit. Um, they're like, you're a public figure, who cares? But like, it's mm. different. Like when people send you like a very detailed thing, like I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to you. Like that's very different than someone being like, kill yourself, which again, not nice. Also no. not a death threat at all, mm. at all. So like, you know, he used to rail against that sort of stuff. And now mm -hmm. because it's against him, Oh, that's a, that's a violation of a harassment policy because yeah. you told him to go fuck himself. Yeah. What a, mm -hmm. what a little bitch. Yeah. So anyway, on that bright note, I will say my actual pick for the week is Hookmark, uh, which according to our master, master list, I somehow haven't mentioned before, um, but it is a, a Mac utility that lets you create links between any two objects on your system, whether it's a, an OmniFocus task or a PDF or an NV Ultra note or an email or a specific line in a document, you can copy a link to it that you can then uh, attach to another object or drop into like your markdown notes or an email and and provide links to things that you don't normally think of being linkable. Um, and when it comes to like if I'm working on a project, I link together like a task paper document and like the main source code and uh, my NV Ultra notes and any mind maps I've created. And I can jump from any of those individual objects. I can jump to the other parts of the project, even though they're in completely disparate parts of the system. Um, and it, it's way faster than spotlight searching uh, because you are very um, intentionally creating these links between objects. And it uh, it's a game-changing utility that's hard to describe, uh, but once you once you get into it and start using it, and the links are sturdy, like you can change a file name or move the file, and the link to it in Hookmark will still work. Like it it, it uses basic file system bookmarking rather than like a directory location or a file name or or things like that. Uh, so in general, they are very robust, sturdy links, and it's a, very nice. I have a question. So this used to be called Hook, right? Yeah. Uh, um, ha, and I know it's on Setup now. Yeah. As as Hookmark, it was never there as yeah. Hook. I don't think. No. Um, uh, Four They rebranded as Hookmark because they wanted to clear, clean up the language uh, between a hook, which is what it creates, and the app itself, which they rebranded as Hookmark. And were there other major changes or anything no. significant uh, okay. 4.0 did not have any major under the hood changes it was mostly a rebranding my my fear was always i was creating some kind of invisible cruft that that wouldn't travel with the file in the first place and no. would look like a mystery to me 10 years down the line but you're saying that is not a problem with hookmark well, I, I mean, no one can predict what your data system will look like in 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, take away the 10-year forecast. But, but the hooks, <laughs> the, no, the hooks are robust and and uh, there's a free version of Hookmark uh, that even if you were to stop paying the subscription fee for Hookmark, you would still be able to access all of your links. I see. Okay, cool. I might play with it. It's been a while. I played with it early on. Cool. We did Awesome. It. We did the podcast. We did it. 
again. Yeah. Hey, Thanks can for I showing say, up. This has can been I fun. say, can I say that um, on the tap bots page, there's something very sad. It lists their four apps with their icons and the Tweetbot bird has a halo now. And it just says oh. the button says Memorial. And if you click it, it's, it's really it. sad. It's that an elephant. So it's, an, it's an elephant for their Mastodon uh, app looking at Tweetbot's um, gravestone. Oh. <laughs> it's the, it's the saddest thing in the world. That's so sad. I, uh, maybe you could find a show art in that. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, I loved right. that app so much. Well, is it is it time to say get some sleep? Get some sleep. Get some sleep, boys. Sleep with the angels, Tweetbot. The system is going down now.